0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: A Thursday on the morning after starts right now on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159, the home for SportsGrid Radio on sirius xm all across the sports grid network i am ben stevens tons to get to on this thursday edition of the morning after because the sports landscape never slows down a recap of the play in tournament action last night that sets up winner take all games tomorrow on a Friday for a berth in the NBA postseason so much drama around the Association right now we also look at Major League Baseball the second series for a lot of teams in this MLB season the young portion of this year now in the books we had a big sports debate yesterday in Minnesota between the Dodgers and the Twins. We'll recap all of that action and look forward to a Thursday slate in Major League Baseball as well. We're also only two weeks out from the NFL draft. Two weeks from this Thursday in Las Vegas. The first round gets underway. The Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock for a second straight year selecting number one overall. All of that and plenty more here on a Thursday on the morning after. We begin in Atlanta last night, the play in tournament in the Eastern Conference between the nine seeded Atlanta Hawks and the 10 seed the Charlotte Hornets. The line works slightly in the favor of Atlanta just prior to tip closing as a five and a half point favorite. And it made sense. The Hawks absolutely hammering. The Charlotte Hornets last night winning big 132-103. So Atlanta easily covering as a five and a half point favorite. The Hawks now 20 and 15 against the number as a home favorite this year. And look at that final score, 132-103. If you had an over, I am sorry. If you had an under, what a sweat it was for you last night in Atlanta. The total of 235 and a hook just barely stays under atlanta now under in five of its last six games and trey young also doing well in five of the last six for the hawks he has had a double double in five of those six games 24 points last night 11 assists just one of seven from deep not the typical shooting performance of trey young but he continues some great play here now in the postseason ice Trey is certainly on display in that six game span that i mentioned where trey young has had a double double in five of six he is averaging nearly 30 points per game and 11 assists per game in that span as well all five starters for the hawks last night scoring in double figures atlanta continues some great play in the home stretch of the regular season now into the eastern conference play-in tournament the hawks have won eight of their last 10 games covering in each of those eight wins so what is up next for the atlanta hawks a road trip to cleveland ohio to face off against the cavaliers tomorrow night with a spot in the eastern conference playoffs as the number eight seed on the line it's not march anymore it's the middle of april but it's survive in advance a winner take all one game scenario between atlanta and cleveland and look who is favored in this game the hawks open up as a two-point favorite, we have seen that line start to work already in their favor. It got to three just moments ago on the FanDuel Sportsbook, now ticking back down to the two in a hook that you see there. Atlanta as a favorite this year, 28 and 24 against the number, but just eight and nine ATS as a road favorite. Now Cleveland is struggling at this point. Good to return home for sure, but the Cavs have lost. Nine of their last 12 games as a home underdog this year. Nine, five and one against the number, but only four of those nine covers outright wins. And that's what Cleveland will need to advance into the Eastern Conference playoffs. Say welcome to our sports grid radio audience here. The opening hour of the morning after on a Thursday right here on the grid. Sirius XM channel 159, all of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens. The Eastern Conference play in tournament returns tomorrow night in cleveland ohio the cavaliers open as a two-point road underdog now that has moved up to two and a half in favor of the road team tomorrow night the atlanta hawks cleveland of course a home dog cleveland under in six of its last 10 games as well that total of 224 and a hook that you see right there tied for the second lowest number the hawks have seen for an over under since the end of February all four games in the play in tournaments the two on Tuesday night in Brooklyn and in Minneapolis and then the two last night in Atlanta and the one we'll get to in the west out in New Orleans between the Pels and the Spurs all staying under of course that total between Atlanta and Charlotte last night was 235 and a hook it ends at 235 for a combined final score so just barely under but all four totals staying under in the play tournament. what does that tell us it's postseason basketball now in the nba defense at least if you're not the charlotte hornets on more of a full display so also we can look at how the spread looks tomorrow night between the hawks and the cleveland cavaliers where it is now in favor of atlanta at two and a half points and correlate that to the eastern conference odds because the odds here should show you something based on where atlanta and cleveland are at the moment atlanta is 65 to 1 to win the east almost double that price the cavaliers the home team tomorrow night at 120 to 1 as we always say here on the morning after and as we bleed the winning edge all across the spiz grizz let the odds tell you something let the odds dictate what the sports book feels about this game not just the two and a half point spread in favor of the road team tomorrow night the atlanta hawks but nearly a double difference there 65 to 1 for atlanta 120 to 1 for the cavaliers in the eastern conference odds the outlook for atlanta once they get to the eastern conference postseason if they can knock off the Cavs tomorrow in the finale of the play-in tournament is a lot higher than that of the Cleveland Cavaliers. From the east to the west, we go to New Orleans on the other side of the play.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: To the big easy we go for a big game in the western conference play-in tournament last night between the pelicans and the spurs a recap now and a look back before we look forward to the rest of the western conference play-in right here on a thursday on the morning after on sports grid sirius xm channel 159 all across the spiz grizz network i am ben stevens the line worked in favor of the pels all afternoon long yesterday when we had Aaron Summers, a reporter for the Pelicans on, it was at five points in favor of the home team last night in New Orleans. It worked up to five and a half, briefly got to six, fell on five and a half, and the Pelicans covering as a home favorite last night, winning 113-103 over San Antonio. The Pels took the lead about halfway through that first quarter and never trailed again, got that lead up to as many as 21 points Late in the third quarter, credit to Greg Popovich and his San Antonio Spurs team. They rally to cut it to six about midway through the fourth, but the Pelicans hold on to win and cover as a five and a half point home favorite. New Orleans now as a home favorite, 11, four and one against the number this year. That's a cover percentage, a tick above 73%, 73.3% to be exact. That is the best home favorite cover percentage in all of the NBA this year. We'll see if New Orleans can get into the postseason. They're guaranteed at least two home games. I'm not sure they'll be booked as a home favorite in any of those in a potential eventual matchup against the Phoenix Suns. But credit to the Pelicans, taking care of business this year at home. Only 16 points last night for DeJounte Murray, the all-star for the San Antonio Spurs, in foul trouble early on in that first half, picked up three personal fouls early, about midway, Through the second quarter, had to sit a good amount of time, never got into his rhythm, only finishing with 16 points. Well under his points prop of 23 and a half, and I can wear it. I told you that was my bye 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 best bet yesterday for DeJounte Murray, the all star for San Antonio, to go over his points prop of 23 in a hook. With the cap and the caveat that if San Antonio was going to cover this number as a five and a half point road dog, DeJounte Murray would have to go well over that points prop he did it he stays under and San Antonio loses by 10 ending their season on the other side though big nights and big performances on a big postseason stage for both CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram we start with CJ acquired by the Pelicans at the trade deadline from the Portland Trailblazers where he had spent the eight years of his NBA career up until this point he has been sensational for this Pelicans team 32 points last night 32 points for C.J. McCollum last night in the play in victory over the Spurs, over his points prop of 25 and a hook. We told you yesterday, C.J. McCollum, when he goes over that points prop of 25 and a half, he scores at least 30. He has gone over that points prop of 25 and a hook, now nine times in a Pelicans uniform. Every time he has scored at least 30 points. Last night, that prop for C.J. to score at least 30 In the game against the Spurs, was it plus 182? Hopefully you found some plus money on CJ McCollum. And a big performance from BI in Brandon Ingram, who has been struggling and being hampered by an injured hamstring down the home stretch of this NBA regular season. Looked pretty good last night. 27 points over his points prop of 24 and a half. And Jonas Valanciunas adding a double-double as well. 22 points for the big man. In addition to 14 boards, CJ McCollum said after the game, this could be the start of something big for New Orleans, something special as they enter the playoffs. 13 and 10 after the All Star break, straight up in the regular season, add on that victory last night in a cover as a home favorite. Maybe CJ is onto something. And if they get those performances, maybe they can make a little noise against the Clippers tomorrow night in Los Angeles at the Crypto.com arena. As we all expected, and as the odds indicated, throughout the final week of the NBA regular season, entering the play-in tournament, where the Clippers were minus 590 on the FanDuel Sportsbook to make the postseason, and there was no real love for New Orleans or San Antonio, whoever was victorious. The Clippers open up as a home favorite tomorrow night, but it was at 5 just about 12 hours ago. Now it's four, live on the FanDuel Sportsbook, working in favor of the Pelicans, a road underdog getting four points tomorrow night in LA. And again, that total of 216.5 with all four games so far in the play-in tournament staying under, it makes sense. We are seeing a relatively low total at 216 in a hook. In fact, that 216.5 for an over-under for New Orleans is the lowest for the Pelicans since the end of the month. Of January, over two and a half months since the Pelicans have seen a total that small on the board. And they've gone under in nine of their last 13 games. The Clippers on the other side, under in three of the last four. So the line is working in favor of the Pelicans 16 and 17 against the number as an underdog, a road underdog, in fact, this year, and not covering in three straight when booked as a dog. The Clippers. 14 and 15 against the number as a home favorite. So neither team above 500 in their respective trend positions for tomorrow night in the play-in tournament finale in the Western Conference. A winner-take-all game to be the number eight seed in the West. What's your reward? A matchup against the number one seed. The best team in the NBA all year long and a team that won the West last year in the Phoenix Suns. Good luck to either LA or New Orleans if they get to that point. But first things first, a matchup tomorrow night. In Los Angeles, where the Clippers currently a four-point home favorite. And again, we correlate numbers here on the morning after at all times. When you look at the Western Conference odds, we have seen drastic moves on both the price of New Orleans and Los Angeles. The Clippers entered the play in a tournament with the shortest number we had seen on LA in nearly two months, 19-1. to There was some hope that the Clippers would knock off the T-Wolves, be that number seven seed, maybe making some noise with postseason experience against the upstart Memphis Grizzlies. And maybe, just maybe, Kawhi Leonard back into the fold with the playoff P by the time they got midway through that opening round because we never know what Kawhi is up to. Well, 19-1 quickly works to 36-1 to now for LA as they get ready to host the Pelicans tomorrow night in that winner-take-all final game in the Western Conference play-in. As we said, there was no real love in the betting markets for either New Orleans or San Antonio entering last night. It seemed that whoever won the 9-10 matchup was just going to get rolled over by either the Clippers or the T-Wolves. And in this case, now the LA Clippers after losing to Minnesota in Minnesota just two nights ago. But that's not the case based on the odds for that single game spread. And then again, in those Western Conference odds, New Orleans was 210-1 to entering the play-in tournament Two days ago. Now, 46 to 1. And again, that distinction between the prices on the Pelicans and the Clippers is only $10 now. 36 to 1 once again for Los Angeles, 46 to 1 for New Orleans. Now, either of these teams is going to open up as a big, big underdog in the series prices against the Phoenix Suns. The strongest series price that we see so far for any of the opening round series in the playoffs on either side. The Bucs are minus 1,100 to win the series against the Chicago Bulls. I don't know if Phoenix would be quite there, but you got to think it's probably minus 650, minus 700, probably a bigger number if it's the Pelicans, probably slightly shorter if it's the Clippers against Phoenix. And speaking of those Eastern Conference odds, as we'll get to a little bit later on in this opening hour with FanDuel's Brian Fonseca, boy, have they moved and they have not worked in the favor of the Brooklyn Nets. They're starting to look a little bit more like the Eastern Conference standings, but the Nets now the longest price we have seen at plus 460. The reason I bring that up is because I flipped the page on FanDuel to look at the Western Conference odds, and the Eastern Conference odds jumped up at the top of my web browser, and I was like, oh boy, that's some movement against the Brooklyn Nets. And again, the Phoenix Suns have remained a very short favorite in the West at plus plus. 120 the golden state warriors now plus 390 the odds slightly working in favor of the dubs the grizzlies the number two seed the third best odds at plus 550 so no games in the nba tonight a night off before both games to end out the play-in tournaments tomorrow. In the east, it's the Cavs, a two and a half point home underdog against the Atlanta Hawks. In the west, it's the Clippers, a four point home favorite against those New Orleans Pelicans. A Major League Baseball breakdown up next. Back right here on a Thursday on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. A lot to get to in Major League Baseball as we recap the action. Yesterday, for some teams around MLB, their second series of this young MLB season in 2022 has come to a close. That was the case for the LA Dodgers yesterday, wrapping up a quick two game set in Minneapolis against the twins which led to one of the great sports debates of our time on old twitter.com what would you do if you were the manager of the la dodgers dave roberts and your pitcher clayton kershaw a historic career could become even more historic because clayton kershaw yesterday against minnesota had thrown seven perfect innings perfect not a single hit not a single run of course not even a single walk not a single base runner seven innings of perfect pitching and then he was pulled which led to the conversation what should have happened from a historic perspective, for Clayton Kershaw, who has won an NL MVP, who has won a World Series, who has thrown a no-hitter. From a historic perspective, with over 200,000 Major League Baseball games played in the long history of this sport, in only 23 perfect games, should Clayton Kershaw should have had the chance to throw a perfect game with only two innings remaining. History, fun of the sport fan perspective answer would probably be yes but clayton kershaw who could not do much for the dodgers last postseason as the world series favorites because of an elbow injury now at the advanced stage of his career who has been in the majors for a very long time in dodger blue should he be rested off a short and compacted spring training that was the ultimate decision that dave roberts made Let's look at the stats first before we further this conversation and debate, because I think both sides have merit. Seven innings pitched yesterday, no hits, no walks, perfect baseball, 13 strikeouts, and then the bottom, just 80 pitches. Now, oftentimes, whether it be a debate about sports or whatever other arena in the world, we're not great with context. We don't put context into the picture to figure out what is going on. Well, context here in Major League Baseball, outside of Dave Roberts and outside of Clayton Kershaw, and the specifics of yesterday in Minnesota against the Twins. We had a short and compacted spring training, a rapid ramp up for this Major League Baseball season. Why? Well, if you're like me, you can blame MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred and the stingy owners for having a lockout that endured and no wiggle room on the negotiation table on their side. Bend to our proposals," said the owners to the players. And because of that, a short spring training where we really didn't have the action to get ready for this Major League Baseball season. So if you want to direct your ire, your anger, your blame at anybody, I would put it on the MLB owners or maybe just the lockout in general because think about when pitchers and catchers normally report at the end of February around February 15th 18th 20th that would have given Clayton Kershaw a lot more time to get ready and then maybe he's more ready to go deeper into that contest yesterday than being limited at the 80 pitches of perfect pitching in baseball because again context here at the time of Clayton Kershaw's start yesterday no MLB pitcher had thrown more than 96 pitches in an outing this year. Only six pitchers across Major League Baseball in this opening week had reached the 90-pitch limit. Interesting when you put that into context for Clayton Kershaw throwing 80 pitches yesterday. But again, we can live in dichotomy, or at least we can try, and look at the other side of that argument. Should Clayton Kershaw have had the chance to, to already add on to a historic Major League Baseball career. A Hall of Fame track record for Clayton Kershaw, and the opportunity to throw the 24th perfect game in Major League Baseball history. From a fan perspective, from a fun perspective, and baseball can often get in its own way of having fun, I would say yes. The opportunity to go out there, to throw, to have an opportunity to add on to a Hall of Fame career with a distinction that not many in the long history of Major League Baseball have had, and that was to throw a perfect game. I don't think it's the new age of baseball and the starters being scared of throwing against the lineup for the third time or the sabermetrics that would lead to a manager pulling out a pitcher. I think it was because of the short and compacted spring training and the ramp-up to this season and trying to keep Clayton Kershaw healthy. A lot of what-ifs were a part of the great sports debate yesterday on Twitter. What if Clayton Kershaw goes out there and gets hurt and his shoulder gets inflamed? What if the next batter he faces laces one to the gap? It's a double and that's it. What if because of this performance 157 games later at the end of this Major League Baseball season, Clayton Kershaw is not ready for the playoffs for the World Series favorites and the favorites in the NL pennant race, the LA Dodgers. A lot of what ifs, but what we know, what happened yesterday, Seven perfect innings of pitching from Clayton Kershaw. 13 strikeouts, not a single hit, not a single walk, not a single base runner, and only 80 pitches. Oh, by the way, the Dodgers won seven to nothing, taking both games against the Minnesota Twins. The home opener for the Dodgers back at Chavez Ravine inside Dodger Stadium today against the Cincinnati Reds, where Walker Buehler will be on the bump, and the Dodgers are a minus 275 favorite, against those Cincinnati Reds so from one great pitching performance yesterday to what on paper looked to be a great pitching duel in Philadelphia in the early portion of the afternoon between the New York Mets starter and Matt Scherzer and the starter on the bump for the Phils in Aaron Nola it went the way of the New York Mets who win the game nine to six thanks to some good offense and thanks to polar bear Pete alonzo pete alonzo a huge game yesterday three of five at the dish a three-run home run two doubles five rbis a big big reason the mets scored nine runs take the final two games of the series against the Phils for a series victory max scherzer also pretty stellar on the bump yesterday for the amazings five innings pitched only one earned run on five hits seven strikeouts three walks but seven strikeouts for scherzer against the phillies erinola not great three and a third three runs on three hits a pretty quick yank for Aaron Nola yesterday for the Philadelphia Phillies so the New York Mets end as a dog in each of the three games in this set on the road in Philadelphia they take two of the three the New York Mets on the run line this year six and one against that number that's the best mark in all of Major League Baseball so far the Cleveland Guardians the second best mark at five and one on the run line and we have seen a slight bit of movement in the National League East odds as we have had a couple of divisional series here to start off this Major League Baseball season. The Atlanta Braves are still the favorites at plus 130, but that's five cents back from where their number was at plus 125. The New York Mets now the second shortest price at plus 170. 30 cents of odds movement in favor of the Amazons from two to one now to plus plus. 170. And the Phillies worked back slightly from plus 340 entering the series against the Mets to plus 360. So the New York Mets working their way back up. Of course, before the injury to Jacob deGrom, the Mets were the favorites just slightly over the Braves in the preseason odds here in the National League East. And both teams had a team win total of 91 in a hook. The Mets team win total worked back by three games, ending at 88 and a half. Well, The Mets are off to a pretty good start. They've won five of their first seven. As we go from the NL East to the American League and a team in the AL East, the Red Sox facing off against a familiar foe yesterday and Eduardo Rodriguez, the starter for the Detroit Tigers. He was a member of the Sox last year and it was an offensive onslaught out there in Detroit yesterday with the Red Sox winning nine to seven. The team's combining for 16 total runs, 23 total hits, Eduardo Rodriguez- Only three and two-thirds, giving up two earned on five hits against his former team in Boston. This is just the second over of the year for the Sox yesterday against the Tigers. Two of their six games now, over four of their six under. The Red Sox booked as a favorite in all three of this set against the Detroit Tigers. They take the final two games. The home opener for the Red Sox is tomorrow at Fenway Park against the Minnesota Twins. So the Detroit Tigers are part of a very interesting division right now in the American League Central. The favorites are still the Chicago White Sox, but a slight bit of movement on that number as well. Minus 210 to start off the year, now just minus 200. The White Sox are off to a 4-1 and one start. This is nothing against them, but maybe it's the Cleveland Guardians. A 4-2 and two start. After losing their first two games of the year against the Royals, they have won four straight. They have been booked as a dog in three games this year, winning two of those three as an underdog by an average margin as a dog winning of 7.2 runs per game. So that number on the Cleveland Guardians getting a little bit better as well at plus 850. A little bit more compact now as you look at the American League Central. And as we look at the American League pennant odds, you will see both the White Sox up there towards the top, the Houston Astros, of course. And then the Toronto Blue Jays getting shorter by the day. Now plus 400. Entered the year at plus 450, now plus 400. The reason why? Well, maybe we look at what Vlad Guerrero Jr. did yesterday. Three home runs in a single game against the New York Yankees. Two of those off Garrett Cole. Two of them coming after he had a gash in his right hand also added a double against Cole yesterday in the sixth inning prompting Garrett Cole to tip his cap rather enthusiastically to Vlad Guerrero Jr. who is now tied as a co-favorite at plus 380 for the American League MVP alongside Shohei Ohtani. Also, we showed you there just briefly, I believe the Mariners and the White Sox who are off to a four in one start. Chicago stomping on Robbie Ray, the reigning AL Cy Young winner yesterday, six earned runs in six and a third against the White Sox on the south side of Chicago yesterday. Back to the NBA, a focus on the postseason with Brian Fonseca, that's up next. Around the association we go with a postseason outlook right here, right now, on a Thursday on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens, now very pleased to welcome back on FanDuel's Brian Fonseca for a focus on the NBA playoffs, a busy time of year for Mr. Fonseca as we get ready for the real playoffs with two final play-in tournament games tomorrow night. Brian, thank you for joining us here on the morning after.
2: Thank you for having
1: me as always. Let's go back first last night to Atlanta. The Hawks absolutely hammering the Charlotte Hornets winning 132 103. Now it's a different Atlanta Hawks team slightly but an Atlanta Hawks team Brian that of course made the Eastern Conference Finals last playoffs losing eventually to the NBA champions in the Milwaukee Bucks. Did you see anything from the Hawks and maybe Trey Young last night? that give you any sort of optimism about what Atlanta might be able to do tomorrow against Cleveland and maybe further on in the Eastern Conference postseason.
2: I mean if Jared Allen doesn't play again then I think the Atlanta Hawks would be in good position to win that now Cleveland did come back against the Nets and the Nets are letting a lot of teams come back against them that probably shouldn't when they're undermanned. but you know Cleveland was a dangerous team down the stretch there. They were getting a lot of shots, just their middle was wide open because Jared Allen wasn't there. And then with Atlanta last night, you can see like, obviously Trey young is going to try and floater them to death. And he wasn't even playing very well when they went out to their initial lead in the beginning. I also think part of it though, is just Charlotte, Charlotte for whatever reason has a tendency to just not show up in these playing games. And last year, If you remember, they lost to the Indiana Pacers 144 to 117, which I reminded people last night on Twitter, and they outdid themselves yesterday, uh, 132 to 103, losing to the Atlanta Hawks. I think it's part of that as well. Um, It's an interesting matchup because it's kind of a styles make fights thing between the Hawks and the Cavs, because you're talking about the Hawks who are really good offensively and not very good on defense. And then the Cavs on the flip side, you know, they're okay offensively, but defensively is where Their bread is buttered, so to speak. But without Jared Allen, that's going to be tough. And he has his finger injury. And if you can't catch a basketball, it's kind of hard to play. So that'll be the determining factor for me. If if Jared Allen wins, I think that the Cavs will protect their home floor because they are the eighth seed in this equation. They'll be in Cleveland. But if not, you know, I think that the Hawks can have a uh, a nice road win and potentially, you know, face the Miami Heat. The winner's going to face Miami. So I think it'll be an interesting series either way.
1: All four teams so far in the play in tournament, all four home teams have won. Three of the four have covered. Brooklyn the only one not to cover as a home favorite, but that's not a surprise. The Nets are the worst home covering team as a favorite this year in the NBA. So we look at the Eastern Conference playoff picture from a big picture perspective. Uh, Atlanta or Cleveland, Brian will take on the top seed in the East, the Miami Heat. Do you give either Atlanta or Cleveland any shot? against Miami
2: I think it's possible they each win a game either of them mm-hmm. um I could see a scenario where a team can win two games in that's in that series maybe but at most but not really I think as long as the heat are firing on all cylinders and doing what they were doing down the stretch of the season like they should be fine they should be okay the weird thing about the play in that we haven't figured out is that the top two seeds only have about 36 or so hours to prepare for their opponent. Whereas if you're in the buck situation where you have a three, six matchup and they don't need to prepare for the bulls that much with all due respect, but they have like an entire week to prepare because they know who they're facing. Whereas if you're the top seed, you know, they, they haven't figured out like, okay, so the heat only have this amount of time to prepare for this team. And last year we saw that come into play where the Memphis Grizzlies went in and beat the Utah jazz in game one. Now, It didn't matter the rest of the way. People should remember that in the NBA playoffs, we've seen time and again better teams lose game one all the time and then go on to win the series. We saw with the Heat and Thunder sticking with the Heat in their NBA Finals series, uh, you know, about 10 years ago at this point, which is crazy to think about because I was very young LeBron and young Kevin Durant also. Um, but yeah, like that's the sort of thing that can happen here. So we need to figure out. I don't know if it's just, you know, if you're in the playing maybe you should just play back-to-back days like they send all the eight teams four in the east four in the west to one location and then just Hmm. back to back tuesday wednesday in you know wherever it is like you can make it in florida whatever the case may be and then there's like maybe three days to prepare for your opponent as opposed to like a day and a half but i don't know that's something logistically that they're gonna have to figure out or maybe not maybe they just keep it the way it is and the one seed is just like all right we're the one seed so whatever will be ready for whoever
1: that's a pretty good point though because there is a very short turnaround time for whoever wins the play in tournament games tomorrow night to Sunday and conversely as you mentioned for the one seed to get a full scout of who they'll be playing in that opening round series in the NBA playoffs as we looked at the Eastern Conference playoff picture not only did we guess might Atlanta or Cleveland have a shot against Miami you see the very large spread on that series price in favor of milwaukee at minus 1100 over chicago but the shortest distinction is between the boston celtics as the two seed the favorites in the series at minus 142 against the number seven seed the brooklyn nets brian how do you expect that series between the nets and the celtics to play out
2: i'm surprised the Nets are underdogs for something in, in betting world wow that's <laughs> something we haven't seen a lot of this year um yeah i think uh, i think boston wins the series though i think it is going to be close I, I know a lot of people are scared of kevin Durant and kyrie irving and you know rightfully so i'm sure kyrie irving is going to want to give a little extra to his uh former team here but i mean at the end of the day cleveland i mean cleveland boston because we were just talking about the caps boston can play defense better than basically anybody in the nba and mm-hmm. There are rumors about Robert Williams coming back now, and I've expressed my concerns about rushing back from a meniscus injury, but there are rumors about him coming back for this series, and the Celtics seem very optimistic that that's going to be the case. I don't know when, but that's something to monitor. Um, I don't know how he's going to look off meniscus, uh, off a meniscus injury, but it's gonna be tough. But him being there is going to help, though I don't think they need him to win the series so long as they can defend how they're capable of defending. Uh, because they're so good especially on the perimeter and that's where the Nets like that's where they're going to get a lot of their offense right and you're able to you know contain Seth Curry and Patty Mills and Kyrie Irving to some extent you could try your best Um, and Bruce Brown who's been coming into his own lately and hitting corner threes at a very high clip in terms of efficiency I still think the Celtics should be favored because I tend to lean to whoever can get the highest or get to the highest level defensively while still having a respectable offense. The Nets have not shown that they can get stops consistently defensively against inferior teams. And Boston has Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart could be firing on all cylinders. What if Al Horford has a big game? If Derek White could find his jumper, etc., etc. And then again, if Robert Williams comes back, that's going to add something to what they do. So yeah, the Celtics would be the smart pick here. But... You know, if you want to take a shot on the Nets, I could see it. Like, if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving go superhuman, it's entirely possible. I would just say that, look, even if they both average 30 points each and, you know, you still have to kind of figure out the rest of your offense. Like, all right, you have 60. Now, where are you getting everything else? And on top of that, where are you getting late game stops? So it's going to be tough.
1: For this series to go the distance, to go a full seven games is plus 170, on the FanDuel Sportsbook. That is the shortest number for any series so far in the NBA playoffs to go seven games. Should show you it's expected to be competitive between Boston and Brooklyn. Game number one on Sunday inside TD Garden in Boston. The Celtics open as a four and a half point favorite. From the East to the West, last night in New Orleans, a special performance, Brian, from both CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram in a 10 point victory for the Pelicans over the san antonio spurs so now new orleans heads out west to la to take on the clippers the spread opened up in favor of the la clippers at five points it's worked its way down now to four before we got into the playing tournament there wasn't much thought there was a shot for new orleans if they got to this point do you expect this game to be more competitive than we previously thought between la and new orleans tomorrow night
2: Yeah, I think this could potentially be a great game. I mean, and I have no idea who I think is going to win it, honestly, at this point. Because we saw the Clippers get out to a strong start. They were containing Carl Anthony Towns. And maybe part of that was Carl Anthony Towns' own doing because he tends to do that in big moments. I'm just saying. But anyway, like with the Clippers, they came out defensively. They were playing very hard. And, you know they had that one run where they slipped up at the end maybe home field advantage had something to do with that or home court advantage Mm -hmm. to this case right so they're gonna have it in la uh at the i was gonna say staple center at the crypto at the crypt (laughs) uh against uh against the new orleans pelicans you know that's gonna be something that's interesting because new orleans has they sort of have more top end scoring here because you have Brandon Ingram and because you have CJ McCollum. And we talked about the trade when it happened. I liked the trade a lot because it was going to keep them competitive whether or not Zion gets back. You can pretty much write Zion Williamson off, but you still have those two. Herb Jones is playing at a high level last night on both mm-hmm. ends. Jonas Valachunas was very good around the rim. Like you have those these pieces here that can really piss off the Los Angeles Clippers. And Paul George, if he doesn't have you know one of his sort of virtuoso performances that he has from time to time, then it's going to be tough. I have faith, though, in Ty Lou. He's one of the best coaches in the NBA. He is going to be on some NBA Coach of the Year ballots, you know, being in that top three. Uh, and Willie Green's done a really good job in New Orleans, too, so it's a fascinating game on all levels. I would probably tend to lean the home team here, but, like, mm-hmm. all we've seen so far in these playing games are just home teams winning, and I feel like somebody either atlanta or new orleans and potentially both has to sort of buck this trend and i think it's very possible that it could be in this game because the pelicans i think to the degree that they're competitive they are for real i will give them that
1: the hawks booked as a road favorite tomorrow night against the cleveland Mm -hmm. cavaliers the clippers a four-point favorite at home against the new orleans pelicans the clippers of course falling to the timberwolves two nights ago in minneapolis minnesota now gets john morant in the Memphis Grizzlies, the two seed in the West, which is the strongest favored side in that conference from a postseason perspective. Minus 320 now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, Brian, for the Grizzlies to win the series outright against the Timberwolves. How do you break down that matchup between Memphis and Minnesota?
2: Yeah, it's interesting because the knocks that you hear against Memphis is one, their age, they're just very young. And typically, if you're very young, you don't win, seriously win in the playoffs with few exceptions, very few exceptions. And the other thing is that how they get a lot of their points and transition and forcing steals or whatever are things that are not going to be readily available to you in the playoffs as much. Now, I would say that I think Minnesota could be an interesting matchup for them. But again, it's going to be about how they and they being the Grizzlies sort of contain Anthony Edwards more than anybody else. And D'Angelo Russell, we got very good, very good game from D'Angelo Russell against the Clippers. He has to be able to do that consistently. And with Carl Anthony Towns, look, I mean, it's not going to get any easier because if you struggle with Nicholas Batum, what's going to happen if Jaron Jackson Jr. is guarding you, then that series, like it's going to get, it's going to get even more difficult. So you're going to rely on big time performances from, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, and then obviously your role players, guys like Patrick Beverly, who we saw was very emotional about that win against the Clippers and rightfully so. The dude's been through a lot. Um, Jared Vanderbilt, somebody who I thought could have made more of an imprint on that first game. So I would say that the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, they can give him a, a good series, but I don't think it necessarily goes beyond six.
1: The Grizzlies to win in five is the shortest correct score at plus 260 on FanDuel. Brian Fonseca from FanDuel as well. Thank you for your time. As always. From the NBA, back to MLB and Fade the Public next. Rounding out our first hour together here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM channel 159. A quick reminder for you because this is day number three of only two hours of the morning after. We go until 11 a.m. Eastern time now. So our second and final hours coming up in just a couple of minutes. That's because exciting things across the grid. Newswire, a new program to keep you updated with the latest in terms of how the betting odds are moving. Hosted by Craig Mish begins at 2 p.m. Eastern, the third day of that show. A great debut week. You might see myself, Ben Stevens, on that show a few times, contributing to how the market is moving, doing my best impression like somebody on election night at the board, falling along with where things are moving here in the studio. Where things are moving in our poll is the topic of conversation that dominated Twitter yesterday afternoon. If you were Dave Roberts... What would you have done with Clayton Kershaw? Let's find out and fade the public. So the question relatively simple, would you have fooled Clayton Kershaw after seven perfect innings in only 80 pitches? The two options, yes, it was the right call. No, I would have left him in. In a good majority of the public, nearly 80% of the public on this ongoing and active poll at Sports Grid TV on Twitter saying they would have left Clayton Kershaw in that felt to be the resounding side yesterday but even Clayton Kershaw himself said in the post game interview that his discussion with Dave Roberts they both acknowledged it was kind of a bummer to be in that spot but ultimately it's about winning and it was the right call whether Clayton truly believes that Who's to say? I think he would have wanted to add on to the historic perspective of an already Hall of Fame career. But as we see here of this Fade the Public poll, nearly 80% of the public would have left Clayton Kershaw in. Seven perfect innings, only 80 pitches, but a 7 nothing win for L.A. The home opener inside Dodger Stadium today against the Reds. The second hour of the morning after on this Thursday is up next.